You're listening to the Jaguar Beat Podcast, where we break down the most current topics at St. Joseph Academy, home of the Jaguars. Here you will have a chance to learn more about the Academy through conversation and guests that will certainly be more entertaining than these hosts. Let us know what you think of this episode, suggest future topics, or share your story ideas with us on Twitter at SJA Athletics. Now, your hosts, Athletic Director Mr. John Manuzak and Social Studies Teacher and Academy Favorite Mr. Nick Rowaldi. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Jaguar Beat Podcast. Hope everyone is having a good week so far and maybe finding a few new things to keep themselves busy or occupied. Uh, Nick Rowaldi and I are back again today for episode number five, and we are recording this on April Fool's Day, so Wednesday, April 1st. Um, unfortunately, this week started with the news that our schools are going to be closed for at least another month. Um, I certainly don't think that was a surprise to anyone, but still some sad news to be away from our SJA family for another month. Yeah, it was obviously obviously disappointed, but of course understand the decision and totally expected it. And, and no doubt, I think we're all missing school right now. And I think, I don't know about you, John, this week for me, definitely it's kind of been a bit of a struggle because I'm, I'm recalibrating a little bit, understanding at first, was very hopeful that this would be a short-term situation, but I think it's become clear that, you know, it's more of a long haul type of situation. So kind of recalibrating my thinking, and I know it's been difficult at times. I got, but, you know, I think always it's interesting how you, you get to pick me up when you most need it. Got a great reminder from my dad today. By the way, he's a fellow JCU Blue Streak, like the two of you who are with us today. And, uh, you know, he's a fountain of wisdom. So he hit me with a good line today. He said, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And you know, that's something I definitely needed to hear today. Kind of one of those things you need to hear at the exact right time because, you know, definitely just – you know, keeping it, keeping your attitude in the right place right now, I think is, can be difficult. You know, it's a good reminder for me to keep fighting a good fight and, you know, fighting that self-pity that can sometimes bring you down in situations like this. There's just, you know, when things kind of feel out of your control, it can be difficult, but the one thing we can control is our attitude about it. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Just, uh, you know, obviously happy to do the podcast and I was looking for some good laughs today on, on April Fool's Day. We got our kids so bad today. Uh, I was <laughs> You know, got a 10 and 7-year-old, as I mentioned, and uh, there was a great meme going out around today with, with Governor DeWine on there, and it, it had a, a caption from Action 19 News that said, uh, students would have to repeat their grade this year, and all oh, we showed it to my kids, the reaction <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Actually, the first grader was like, yes, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> and the fifth grader was like, oh my God, no, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was sweet payback for how crazy they've been driving me, but uh, it was a, 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 a good bit of levity today for me. Yeah, for sure. I saw that too. And I just for a second, I quickly glanced at it and I was like, wait a second, that can't be true. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be too much. I think that might, that might be the breaking point for, for us parents out there, but. Uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So anyway, good laugh though. Needed it for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I just wanted to mention before we kind of get to the good stuff is uh, one just quick athletics update for our spring sports athletes that might be out there listening. Um, Monday, OSHA announced that spring sports are still suspended until at least May 1st. So that means all spring athletes still can't practice with club teams, travel teams, parent-led teams, um, all those groups. And this is very important because if spring sports do resume at some point, uh, those athletes would be ineligible. So just a reminder to those athletes. And then all sports are currently in a no-contact period. Um, but there is one thing permitted, and I think our coaches have done an outstanding job of this, and that's 
supporting our students, um, whether it's email or through social media, just trying to maintain that positive contact with our athletes. Um, hopefully a lot of people saw our video message from our head coaches yesterday on Twitter and Instagram. So thanks to them who are, are making the best of this situation um, as everybody out there is. So Yeah, I saw the softball one. That one made my day where they played the uh, virtual game of catch. That was a lot of fun. I actually emailed a couple of my students who were softball players. I said, oh, thanks for that. That one made my day. Maybe missed the beginning of baseball season for sure, but uh, it was really fun to see them uh, making the most out of it. Yeah, and it's just a kind of a simple way to stay connected with their teammates and, and things like that and their coaches. So uh, there have been a lot of good ones from a lot of different teams at, at our school and, and, a, and a bunch of others. So kind of a creative way to do that. So um, yeah, very nice. Yeah. So, all right, enough, enough business talk. Let's get to, the, get to the good part of the show, and that is certainly when we have other people talk instead of us. So Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> we are pleased today to have a very special guest on the Jaguar Beak podcast, as we will be joined in a minute here by a member of the class of 1971 at St. Joseph Academy and the current president at SGA, Mrs. Marion Corrigan Davis. She has accomplished um, a ton in her career, but I would say, and she can verify this, that certainly her appearance on the Jaguar Beak podcast, I would think, has to be close to the pinnacle of her achievements. So, Mrs. This is Corrigan Davis. Welcome to our show. Thanks so much for being a guest today. How are you? Very well. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. And yes, I have to think that this appearance today on the show is certainly a highlight, definitely a highlight of my professional career. So thank you. For <laughs> oh, you're, you're welcome. I bet. I bet. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, as we talked to Ms. Corrigan Davis, we were hoping to do kind of two things today with the interview. First, uh, talk about some more serious and important stuff, kind of the, the current, the, the what's happening now, and a little bit of kind of broad range of questions about some of her experiences uh, in her career. And then we wanted to do something fun for the second part, kind of a hot seat format of questions, just some quick question and answer uh, on some more fun and lighthearted topics. So, um, Ms. Corrigan Davis, we'll start with this. I mean, in your entire career, uh, have you ever seen anything like what's going on now, the coronavirus effect it's had on our country and world? Is there anything really comparable um, from your experiences that you've had? Um, well, I think the only thing that is similar, but nothing quite as severe as this, is, um, is the 9-11 um, attack on, on New York City and Washington, D.C. and in Pennsylvania. Um, I had just left an international position. I had been working, I worked for American Greetings for 27 and a half years, and it wasn't long after um, I took on a new role when the 9-11 happened, and um, I received so many messages from colleagues around the world that reminded me that we are one world, that we are one world, and I think if there's any message from this virus now is that we are, are all connected, and we need to care for each other, um, care for our earth and, and just support one another. And that's what I think the big message is right now. Uh, we just all, we are one. It's the message of unity that the sisters have taught us and, and our hope to have all of these young women of the academy become women of unifying love. This is, this is in action now. We need this unifying love more than ever. And um, that's the only comparison I can make at this point. Um, sure. I do remember hearing stories from the epidemic in 1918, uh, when I worked at American Greetings, one of the founders um, actually was about 12 when that occurred, and he had to take on a leadership role at American Greetings when his father fell sick to the flu. He did survive, but 
um, interesting. And then also heard a, a story about uh, Florence Murphy LeCamp, and she was a graduate of St. Joseph Academy in the year 1919, so 101 years ago. The music room at the Academy is named for Florence Murphy LeCamp. She made a generous gift when that was constructed. And she told the story of being a student at St. Joseph Academy when the epidemic happened and that she and a number of the students had to live in what we now call Fitzmaurice Hall. They lived with the sisters for six weeks during that period of quarantine. So that was an interesting story from, from that time as well. The last time the world was just stricken like this with a particular virus. Wow, I hadn't even considered that, you know, how, how would have SJA had managed that at the time? Wow, that's, uh, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. So that was, that was before the academy building was built. So they, they all just stayed with the sisters in Fitzmaurice Hall. So they basically were quarantining in, in sort of a similar fashion we are now, but they were, they were effectively stuck at the building, I assume. In the midst correct, of the correct. There were some boarding students back then and um, I, they probably just all bunked in together. No kidding, man, oh man. It's amazing to see some of the parallels we've made. I know there was uh, something going around this week about how Cleveland sort of managed and did very similar measures even 100 years ago to, to deal with the Spanish flu. And it's kind of remarkable to see some of the similarities, um, but also kind of heartwarming reminder that we'll get through it, right? So for sure. Anyway, um, another question for you, you know, being a leader in these situations, whether it was when you were a leader at American Greetings or 9-11 or being a leader of our organization now, have any of your career experiences really prepared you for an event of this magnitude? Maybe just tell us a bit about how you how you've navigated the past couple weeks and anything that you've learned in the process? I think um, what good leaders do is, is really exhibited, I think, by Governor DeWine right now. I think if, if anyone wants a model of leadership, it's, um, he is showing that every single day. I know all the students that are taking women leading in the 21st century, there's, there's lessons there. I think the idea of communicating frequently and directly with people is important. Um, I had to lead a major restructuring event in American Greetings when plants were closing and people were losing jobs. And the only way to do it is to be out in front and talk to people, um, tell them what you're planning to do and then do it. I think having empathy, letting people know your emotions um, and letting them know that you are with them and their families, so very important. Um, having a plan, sharing it, communicating, and depending on, um, on people with more information than yourself. I think a good leader surrounds themselves with people that know more than they do. And I think I've seen Governor DeWine in particular lean on the different experts um, when he's planning and leading Ohio through this crisis, whether it's the medical experts or manufacturing and social services, um, I, all of those, people have expertise and I think a good leader brings expertise together towards a common cause with a common goal and always communicate with regularity, with transparency, with empathy. Um, I think he's doing an outstanding job and I think any leader has a lot to learn from his role in, in the leadership role he's playing right now. Oh, I agree 100%. He's surrounded himself with the, you know, some very bright people too. And, and I think the one thing I, I've noticed he's done is he's really managed to tell us some hard truths, but he's done yes. it with a degree of empathy as yes. well. We can, we can get, we're getting the, the information we need, but also in a way of, hey, it's, it's going to be okay to get through this. I think he's, like, I agree with you, done a, done a brilliant job in that regard. 
And it's certainly not about him either. That's the thing. Correct. So, Correct. The spotlight with people and Dr. Acton has been great and the Lieutenant Governor and um, it's like must see TV at two o'clock in the middle of the day every day now. <laughs> yeah. um, no, they, they're doing it. And, and I just think people can apply that into whatever, whenever they have to deliver difficult news, um, hard news, people appreciate honesty, transparency, <laughs> empathy. Um, and th those are key messages. And um, he's, he's doing a, a fine job. And I hope to think a couple of times when I've had some tough decisions or had to lead at difficult times, I've been able to do some of those things as well. Yeah. You touched a little bit on this um, on your first response, but I think one of the things that is unique to St. Joseph Academy is the charism of the sisters. Um, you mentioned unity and all being one. Can you share with us a little bit of the ways that you've seen that charism at work in our community through all of this, whether it's students or teachers or staff, people that you've interacted with? I just think um, it's, it's being cognizant of the other person and how is this affecting them and how can I help, even in small ways that can mean big things in, at a time like this. I'm especially proud of all of our alumni that are on the front lines, um, in the hospitals, um, in social services, being there with people and showing them the way, you know, holding hands, taking care of people, leading prayer, giving service, um, just this idea that we are all one. It's, it's um, this crisis shows that it doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, what the color of your skin, how much money your family makes, where you live, everyone is in this together. And that's the spirit of this unity, that, you know, that we all are one. So I, I just see it exhibited all the time. I'm so proud of to be associated with St. Joseph Academy right now. Yeah, and, and kind of our, our one of the other things we wanted to mention, which kind of ties in there, is this idea of, of uh, a global society and international travel. And I know that was one of the things that you that you like to talk about too, is the is the international travel program that, that we have at, at St. Joseph Academy, and that um, that you had a lot of experience doing. So, I guess. That certainly is one of our fastest growing opportunities, but can you share with us kind of your experience with international travel and, and kind of what that has meant to you and maybe what those um, experiences taught you along the way? Actually, my love of international travel and um, having this global perspective goes back to my time as a student at St. Joseph Academy. I took French um, as my world language and had a wonderful teacher. She was a tough teacher, but she was really, really good, uh, Sister Elizabeth Joyce. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And you can't fake a language. You really have to put your heart and soul into it, learn vocabulary and grammar and so on. I know all the students taking languages know that now. So I did, liked it so much, I decided to major in French when I got to John Carroll University. I, I lived at home, not far from the academy, and commuted on the rapid train over to the east side, etc. And when I was telling one of my summer jobs, people there, I said I was interested, I was majoring in French. The gentleman said to me, well, you should study in Paris. I said, well, that's a good idea, I thought to myself, and looked into it and worked with my professor at John Carroll and enrolled as an independent student for my junior year of college. I studied in, in Paris. Um, at the time, John Carroll didn't have a program, so all by myself, I got on a plane, 19 years old, said goodbye to my mom and little sister at the airport because my dad was off taking my older brothers to college. 
and um, headed, headed off to Paris. And I spent my year at the Sorbonne, part of the University of Paris. I had a beautiful location where I lived um, on Ile Saint-Louis, which is just adjacent to Notre Dame. I walked by Notre Dame Cathedral every day and I'm eager to get back and see it um, one of these times as soon as we can travel again. But um, I really fell in love with um, language in particular and meeting so many people from around the world. I was in a program with just international students from Asia and Europe, South America, and really saw the world through a different lens than I ever had before. So I came back, finished my degree at John Carroll, and then enrolled at Case Western Reserve for a master's in business and decided I wanted to work in international business. That was my goal. Um, and it was sidetracked a little bit because I, I was at American Greetings, but after 20 some years of American Greetings, I was offered the opportunity to head up the company's business in Australia and New Zealand. So I moved to Australia with my husband and, and had a wonderful experience. And while I was there, also had responsibilities for businesses in South Africa and Malaysia. And when I came back to Cleveland, then I was made the Senior Vice President of International for the entire globe, everything except the US and Canada. So for three years, I traveled extensively around the world. I was in 20 countries my very first year in that job. And what I learned is how much people are alike. No matter where we go in this world, people want good health, they want good education, they want opportunity for their children. And whether I was in South Africa or in Japan or in Switzerland or Brazil, all of these people had the same goals in life. And it was just a unifying experience for me. And years later, now that I, when I came to St. Joseph Academy, I really felt it was important for our students to have the global perspective that we all are connected. And what happens in the Amazon jungle impacts what happens on the shores of Lake Erie. And we as people, there's only one human race and we are all connected. So. I was determined to make the program at St. Joseph Academy um, important and growing with the global perspective. And I have to give credit to all of our faculty and staff who are so willing to travel with our students as we make these ventures across the seas. And we will do that again, not right now, obviously, but it's important. I think this unity that we're seeing um, this virus is that we are all one race and I can't think of the charism of the sisters being more appropriate than it is right now so I just am so pleased the way this has grown um, and not only us traveling but also hosting students from around the world it's um, it's a beautiful partnership and just um, just exploring the world and seeing it through different eyes it's it's uh, it's exciting and fun and also unifying. Um, it's 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 one world. <laughs> sure is yeah, and I I can I can speak to that to some extent as well. I did a semester abroad when I was at Notre Dame in Ireland, so I kind of took the easy way out. I didn't have to learn a second language there, but uh, uh, it certainly did broaden my perspective. It gave me I think confidence too. I think 
the idea that I could be away from home for six months and, and you know, thrive and travel and do things on my own gave me a great sense of confidence. So do you think, you know, maybe that confidence you gained even from learning a second language and from traveling extensively, do you think, like, would you have taken those risks in your business career and had that kind of confidence if you had it? Um, well, I think that's when you grow is when you take risks. Um, when you, you know, that, what's that old expression that a turtle only makes progress when he sticks his neck out, neck out. So right. um, it's, that's where the opportunities lie just to uh, be open to where the Lord leads you for sure. Um, one of the things in all of my travels, that was a comfort to me is the sacrifice of the mass that whenever I was in another country over a weekend, which happened quite frequently, I would always make it a point to uh, attend mass and whether I think one of the fine, finest masses I ever was attending was in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia one night and Saturday and it's hot in Malaysia and it's like 90 degrees and 90% humidity every single day of the year. And just being in this mass with uh, so many people with open walls because it's hot, it wasn't really an air conditioned, it was outside almost with just a giant um, covering over it, but it, it's the same mass, it's the same this Catholic means universal also, and just to be in Europe or in South America or in Asia or Australia, to be able to attend mass was a great comfort. It was something very familiar, even if the language wasn't, um, just to, and to see these, this unity, it, it, was, it was beautiful. So I, I think you just have to, um, that's where you grow is when you take risks and you, and that's what we've tried to do at St. Joseph Academy. I think in particular is give the young women an opportunity to stick out their neck and to try something different and know that it's a safe place to experiment. I don't care if it's in the makerspace or on a trip to the Dominican Republic, you're sticking your neck out, you're trying something new and you're growing in the process. You know, kind of in that vein of kind of sticking our neck out here, I know one thing all of us have in common at some level, myself, John, and you, Ms. Corgan Davis, is um, you worked in the business world, I worked in the business world, John and I were both business majors. Um, you know, for our students that are thinking of sticking their neck out in the business world eventually, going into a career in, in business of some form, whatever it is, what do you think of the characteristics that, you know, in your opinion, are, are going to be the most important for their success as they go forward? Um, I think it's always good to have um, a, a skill, <laughs> if, you, if it's accounting or if it's uh, research or if it's um, communication or whatever it might be, something that brings you joy, something that you, that you enjoy, that you're good at, that's an important aspect no matter what career you choose. If it's um, teaching or nursing or um, going, to, going, to the, going to Mars, um, it's something that brings you excitement and that's the most critical starting point for anyone, um, I think, looking at a, at a career. I think when you're in a lot of these fields, um, even though women make up half of the workforce, um, we're not in as many management roles. So where things can sometimes feel like a, a very even playing field, you may run into situations where th things aren't what we would call fair or even. Um, sometimes you probably have to work harder and maybe not get the credit you deserve and some of those things. It, it's not necessarily easy, but that could be anywhere. That could be anywhere. So um, I think knowing your materials, doing a good job, showing up, you know, 
showing up is half the job anymore. Just be there, be ready to contribute and, and be ready to grow. Um, and I think of all the things that have changed over the course of my career from um, where we started out with punching computer cards to um, now with the technology we have today, it's just changing. So you have to be ready to grow um, no matter what career that you take. But women are getting more and more roles, but we're, it's still not even when it comes to management. So learning how to interact with people is a very important skill. Um, learning how to shake hands, learning how to uh, promote yourself, learning how to, you know, learning, I think everyone should learn how to read a profit and loss statement and and a balance sheet. So it doesn't matter if you're a career in, in business or you're running the, the PTA for your children someday or um, being understanding. Everyone should know some basic mathematics, and basic finance concepts. Um, those are important skills too. I, I always say that to the young women going into business. Make sure you know how to read a P&L and a balance, a balance sheet. Um, that's something we, when we get to personal finance, I think they're talking about some of those things in that class as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice, right? Even if, you know, say one of our students, we have a lot of students interested in art, can open an art studio someday, still are going to need to, you know, know some, have some business sense. And, you know, one of the things I've even embraced in the last couple of weeks is how much you, you can learn this stuff in an online setting too, that even you don't have to be a major in these things necessarily, but there's so many opportunities, so many types of classes and so much access to this information that you can tap into. So great. I agree with you more in that regard. Right. Yeah. Um, last one for me for a second, but while, you know, you kind of touched on some of these changes uh, that you've seen for women in the business world from the time you began your career, what do you think are some of the unique challenges for women that still remain? Um, communication is a challenge. I think uh, if you look at how women are perceived, um, we often um, have our communications picked apart a little bit. Your voice is too high, her voice is too shrill. Um, certainly the way women, uh, their physical appearance is picked on more. Um, whether just looking at the presidential candidates with the Democratic uh, primaries, the women are always criticized for the way they speak. Um, so that's a, an opportunity. I think women, you, you need to have a sense of humor. You need to not take yourself too seriously, but you need to be serious about who you are. Um, so that some of those things are still challenges to, to women in, in advancing their careers. And it's just not, um, they're, they're just subject to more scrutiny than their male counterparts, I, I feel, I feel. Um, it was so interesting when the NASA director, uh, Dr. Marla Perez Davis visited with us a couple weeks before all of this happened. Um, she's a diminutive woman. She was born and raised in Puerto Rico. She's got a, um, a pretty thick accent. Um, English is her second language and she relate a few stories where people underestimate her because they dismiss her as a, this small woman with, um, a, with an accent. She can't be anyone important. And, and then when they ask her, well, who are you and what do you do? And she, she says, well, I'm the director of the NASA Lewis Glenn Research Center. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of catches them off guard. And um, so th there are still some of those challenges that are facing women. And it's just going to have to persevere. I mean, it's better 
it's better, but it's still not uh, still not over. Thanks. Yeah. Um, shifting gears just a little bit here, um, you have obviously been associated with SJ in, in many different ways over the years as a student, as an alumni, a board member, president. I may be missing a way or two also, but so maybe this is kind of a difficult two-part question here, but first, kind of what has been your the most rewarding part of this job as the president for you personally, and then kind of as you're looking back on your career, what are some accomplishments that you're most proud of? Um, I think what's, what I have really loved is the interaction with um, the students, with the young women, the thousands of young, young women I've now had the opportunity to be with. Uh, I think um, I understand how people get hooked in as educators because it's wonderful to see the growth of the young women just in the short four years there at St. Joseph Academy. That's such an important four years. And, young person's life, I think, when they begin to find themselves, find their own personality, what makes them click, um, make new friends, try new activities, stretch, grow, mature, deepen their faith. All of these things are so critical in these couple of years, the four years that they spend at the academy. And it has really been just a joy in my life to watch all of this. Um, and I, I didn't expect it. I mean, I've always loved the girls, but no, that comes through, I think, how much I love our students. Um, but that has really been a blessing in my life and probably the most fun um, of the time that I've been at school. And just, uh, yeah, it's been a real, it's been, yeah, a real thrill actually. <laughs> and it's I, been because I don't actually have girls in class and yet I try and, and learn everyone's name as best I can and um, recognize their individuality and know a little something about everyone. I try to um, know a little something about everyone. So that's been probably the highlight if I have to think about that. Yeah, I am always amazed at the, all the names of students you know and, and also when we're talking about graduates, the, the, the years they graduated, how if you don't get it exactly right, you were awfully close to name graduating year, which is pretty remarkable. So, um, and then I guess some accomplishments maybe that you're most proud of um, as we kind of head toward the end of the school year here, looking back on your career at SJA. Um, well, I think one thing I'm very pleased of is just our focus on the charism of the Sisters of St. Joseph. When I was a student there, we didn't talk about it. I think it was almost assumed that we would get it through osmosis or something like that, but being really intentional about the spirit of unity, this um, having the character of a graduate statement, which was, you know, I cannot take any credit for composing any of that, but giving us a common language that talks about our association with the sisters and what that means, how we look at the world, the lens of, of unifying love that we bring. Um, and I think we've done that intentionally with the number of faculty members and staff members that have actually had the opportunity to attend a seminar in, in Le Puy, where the sisters were founded in the year 1650. We've sent over 20 different adults to the birthplace of the congregation. And I think that has really deepened their understanding of the charism as well. Um, I think the vice president of mission position is one that I'm, I'm pleased of, which just shows our intentionality about learning and practicing and modeling the charism. Um, 
and that's what attracts, I think, adults to our community. And I believe it's also what attracts the students to St. Joseph Academy, that sense of belonging, that everyone is welcome. Um, so I'm very proud of our spirit of unity and our charism and being able to name it, being able to talk about service to the dear neighbor without distinction, emerging wisdom and personal integrity. And um, all of these things are important to become women of unifying love. So certainly the focus on charism is something I'm proud of and hope to see continue. Um, I'm very pleased and proud of the growth of our global programs and our global perspective. Um, I'm very proud of the other programs of excellence we've, we've done, these, um, the Health Science Honors Program and the Engineering Design Honors Program. Um, all of our advanced placement offerings. Um, I'm proud of all the accomplishments our physical plant from the dining hall and the scholar's porch and outside and all the technology upgrades and um, and just in and now with Fitzmaurice Hall in the makerspace as well I, I think we've grown everywhere there um, and being prepared for college and all of our academics have have improved in that we have better college preparation and things like the Women's Leadership Symposium and our Junior Professional Shadow Experience. Those are things that are, I think, cornerstones of, of the school right now. And I, I hope those continue um, and certainly focus on athletics, um, the performing arts. Um, yeah, I, we've been, uh, it's been a good experience. It's been a lot of hard work. <laughs> Um, for sure, but it's um, it's just been a real blessing, I think, in, in my life to be able to give back to the school that gave me so much. As you went through this list of accomplishments, it really is remarkable. I know you were, you, you were, you started as president a couple of years before I started. I started about 13 years ago, but just as you rattled off some of the things that have, that have changed about the school, it really is remarkable, and that, that's such a tribute to your, the legacy you're leaving us with. So I know we're all filled with gratitude for it. Um, obviously, you're embarking at the end of this year on a, a very, very well-earned retirement. So the biggest softball we'll throw at you here is, what are your retirement plans for next year? And you know, what's on the short list of things uh, you'd like to do with your newfound free time from your well-earned retirement? Well, my uh, biggest plans is to do some more international traveling, but that's going to have to wait until the global situation with the virus settles down. Um, but I would like to get traveling again. Um, some students know I lost my husband about 16 months ago, and um, he was sick for about three years before that. So um, we really stayed pretty close to home these last almost five years now, and um, I just am itching to get back to Paris. So as soon as the, uh, the coast is clear and everything is cleared, I am on a plane to Paris. That's the first place to stop. Um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But I do hope also to uh, learn to play the piano. That's something that's been on my to-do list for a long, long time. Um, my grandmother Corrigan used to play by ear. She would sit down, she'd hear a tune, and she'd sit at the piano and just play it. So I'm hoping that there's an ounce of that DNA somewhere in me that uh, I have some, un, some new talent I can explore. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, never that's... too late to try something new. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be something I'm going to try and do too. So, yeah, and hopefully, see, you know, stay involved at school as much as the new president will uh, let me do that. So, I want to make sure Fitzmaurice Hall and 
makerspace gets paid for and keep keep things moving forward. Again, thanks, Marianne, for, for answering our questions here. We thought it would be a fun way to end our interview today, though, uh, by putting Mrs. Corgan Davis on the hot seat and doing some rapid fire questions. Uh, so Mrs. Corgan Davis, you can certainly expand, uh, expand upon any of these answers that you want, or you can just keep them brief, totally up to you. We came up with 15 kind of fun hot seat questions for you, and John is going to start us off. Are you ready? Uh, sure. All right. Go ahead, John. Here we go. First one. Who is the most famous person that you have ever met? Uh, I'll, I'll name two and people can decide which one is most fam more famous. So um, I've met John Glenn and I've met President Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton when they were in the White House. I went to the White House in uh, 1995 and had a conversation all of about 30 seconds with the two of them. Who do you admire most? I have great respect for my dad, um, and he's on our minds this week because he would be 100, Friday would be his 100th birthday if he were alive. So um, a great guy and wonderful judge for over 40 years and um, married to my mother more than 50 years, seven children, and just a great, great guy and a wonderful leader. Are you a morning person or a night person? I'm not really good in either the morning or the night. I'm just, <laughs> depends on the day. What is your biggest pet peeve? People who are not nice to each other. If you could attend any event, which one would you pick? Wow, that's a tough one. If I can attend any event. I don't know that maybe I'll take a pass on that one. <laughs> that's that's fine. fair no. enough. Favorite movie or TV show? Oh, well, one of my favorite movies is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> um, I know you love Cleveland and Ohio, but if you had to move to another state, what state would you move to? Well, actually, I would move to France, which is a different country, but that's where I would go. Okay. If you could teach any greater subject, what would it be? I would teach French. May we? Hmm. Uh, where did the MACD nickname come from? Well, that's pretty easy. Those are my initials. So when I was at St. Joseph Academy, I was Mac, mostly Mary. But then my senior year, most of my junior year, um, I was running for student council president and McDonald's restaurants came out with the Big Mac sandwich. And I actually made buttons for my campaign out of the wrappers that said Big Mac. But um, now when I got married, I just added the D. So that's how I became Mac D. Nice. All right. All right. That explains it. Okay. All right. How many keys do you have on your key ring? Um, too many. <laughs> um, what is your favorite sports memory? Um, I had the wonderful opportunity to go to the opening ceremonies of the Sydney, Sydney Olympics in the year 2000. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. How do you like your steak cooked? Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. I also think the opening at Jacobs Field was pretty cool. Um, that was a big day, too. So. Speaking of the cooking question, in that. 
<laughs> yeah, that's okay. F favorite sports memories, by the way, tonight, public service announcement, ESPN is replaying games five and game seven of the NBA finals of 26 <laughs> that the Cavs won. So if anyone needs just unadulterated joy in their life tonight, you can go back and read <laughs> So I'm going to be watching it with my son. Uh, anyway, how do you like your steak cooked? Um, I just take the chill off it. Pretty rare. Cool. Favorite meal on a Friday during Lent? Uh, Lake Perch. What are you afraid of? Bats. Hate bats. <laughs> what makes you the happiest? Um, being with family and friends over dinner and just chatting and some wine and just having fun. Not putting you on the spot with this one, but favorite SJA tradition? Um, I think it has to be Walk of the Roses. That just is uh, pretty special. Um, actually, tree night is an older tradition. Tree night dates back to the 1920s, date back to 100 years. Um, but there's something very special about that Walk of the Roses. Yeah, for sure. I remember the first time that I was part of it, my first year, and I just kept hearing about it. And then, I, you know, you walk down the driveway leading to Rocky River Drive, and right when you make that turn and look down the street, it's like, oh, okay, now I see what people are talking about. It was very cool, that first one. Yeah. yeah. When I was so, a student, we walked on the sidewalk. We, we were um, just two, two across all the way down on the sidewalk, but it's uh, really getting bigger it seems almost every year and it was even back when it's a child because I grew up in the neighborhood everyone would just walk up to see everybody walk <laughs> now it's more of a parade yeah well that was really fun um thank you very much for for joining the podcast today I know I personally always learn a lot when I hear you speak and I'm sure that our our massive audience out there learned a lot today as well so so thank you again for taking the time to do this well, thank you both. I've, it's been my pleasure, and we will get through this. And may St. Joseph, our patron and protector, watch over us and bless us. Amen. Thanks again, Ms. Corgan-Davis. We appreciate you. Be well, be safe, and stay home. Yes, and to everyone out there, thanks, and thanks for tuning in again and, and supporting us. We really do appreciate it. Um, have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you again soon.